Hey there, you've reached Vernon First Baptist Church. This is Pastor Randy, and you have come to our Easter service. And we will have a sermon about the risen King. And uh, I invite you to, to listen in. We have our chaplains, Chuck and Grace, doing our scripture reading this, this service. And uh, then we're going to enjoy a, a, service, a sermon about, it's me again, about the risen King. And, and uh, moving from death to life. What are the things we need to die to if we're to live? How do we move through death to life? So enter in. Might be a little bit more challenging of a sermon than you've heard at Easter, but it's, I think it will be worth it. From Luke 24. The first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they had entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and all the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. The word of the Lord. All right have pulpit will travel don't worry i'm not going anywhere well thank you everyone choir worship team chuck grace everyone for leading us in easter sunday service resurrection day what a joy it is i tell you i wasn't sure what the weather was going to be like but when that sun was out uh, on the beach this morning, we were just basking in, in the warmth, even, of the sun in the chill of the morning. as lovely. Well, what a joy it is to be with you. Spring is here. Uh, our once dead-looking apple tree. Helen, you could skip ahead to that picture, and then I can take it from there. Uh, there it is, our once dead apple tree. Look dead, but look what's there springing forth signs of new life out of its uh, after this winter you could hardly believe it that there would be life in in our trees now i know for some for some it's been a uh, you know there was a few drab months there any canucks fans out here there was something else that was dead <laughs> their playoff hopes but I tell you, after the other night, maybe there's a bit of life. I don't know. I tell you, there is. Well, there is life. There's life. I'm not going to give you a lot of hope. I'm not going to give you a lot of hope. But there is even life for their playoff hopes. 
restored, though Chuck will tell you pretty quick that uh, Calgary did really good last night too. We have been journeying with Jesus over this period of Lent, these last 40 plus days. Lent, a time of holding back, a time of fasting, of seeking God's face, really to prepare ourselves for Good Friday and for Easter, intentionally looking at the harder aspects of life. And uh, even though it's 40-plus days, this Lent has sort of felt like two years, hasn't it? We have been forced to hold back. Speaking of which, the, the Easter Bunny came by our house today. So don't mind if I do just a little bit here. Mmm. Mmm. Some of you know I've been fasting from sweets. Ah, there, that's life right there. You jealous? Well, don't be jealous. I wouldn't eat in front of you and not offer you some. Here's some uh, milk chocolate Belgian truffles. So yeah, here, take one, take one if you want. Pass it back, especially if you've been fasting from sweets. Enjoy. Enjoy it. All right. Oh, yeah, we've been journeying through Lent. From Lent to Palm Sunday last week. And remember what that's all about? Seeing that Jesus as king looks a lot different than his followers were expecting. And then we went through Holy Week. Holy Week up to Good Friday. Where the king of kings, the king of kings, goes to the cross. And in some ways it's the ultimate confusion for some. And it's the great reversal. And then we wait through Holy Saturday, a day of waiting, to come to this morning, a day of renewal, of new life, of resurrection. And this journey is an important one. There's a reason we do it every year, where we think back, where we stop and pause. We know that though Jesus came and said, the kingdom of heaven is here, the kingdom of God is among you, we know that it's not here in its fullness, don't we? Anyone have any aching bones on a chilly morning? Anyone have a sore back? Anyone have a tough relationship? Anyone have some trauma from their past? We know that Jesus' kingdom is not here in its fullness. And we can get trapped and bogged down, ensnared in the way of death, in the way of destruction at times. It can overwhelm us, there's no doubt. And it does no good just to pretend that we only know the resurrection life of Christ when the wilderness journey continues. That's why we've intentionally looked at it these last 40 days through Lent, especially when the reality of war is so present in our midst, especially if anger is our experience or someone's hate towards us and not as love, especially when sorrow and grief well up in us and it's not his joy. The disciples did not expect Jesus, their king, the anointed one, they did not expect him to die. And they had to learn that the way to life is through death. 
Until Jesus comes again on that white horse and puts all things right with his true justice, we will have to hold this tension, like it or not. The living out of Good Friday to Easter Sunday is an ongoing reality for us. Jesus invites us to move from death to life each and every day in many ways. And he showed us that the way to true life is through death. So I want to take a look at this this morning, just at a couple key points as he invites us on this journey today. So pray with me, and then we're going to dive into this. Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts to your truth for us, and that you would lead us into your new life. Lord, even if it's through a tough way, we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, so first of all, the way of Jesus, it, he shows us that death leads to new life. And there's a couple ways that this happens. One is that he became sin, who knew no sin. Now, most of us would say we're pretty good people, right? Hey, we even came to church on Sunday. Whew, one more mark for us, right? But we know we know what we're like, and we know how we act on occasion, how selfish we can be. We want things our way, and that we're willing to sacrifice others in some ways to get it. Yeah, we're no, we're no Putin, but we know, we know we have things to work on. At Easter, we celebrate how Jesus took all that we do wrong. He took it all on him. On the cross. We know in some ways, we know that there's a payday coming. And that we have a debt. And that's what we sang about so much this morning. That Jesus took our debt when he died on the cross. And he offers that payment to us freely. Through his death, there is new life. Where our shame and guilt, all our debt is all our brokenness paid for can be washed away. And then through his death, he showed how he has victory over death. If he hadn't died, there'd be no Easter morning. The confusion that the disciples had to go through, seeing him on the cross, waiting through Saturday, going, he's there, he's in there. The pain that the women had going to him on that Sunday morning, ready with burial spices, thinking, okay, the dream is over, but we're going to care for him anyways, their love for him, so tender. And they were surprised that the tomb was empty. It shows that he has victory over death. Yeah, it's hard that they went through that. You could say almost cruel. Couldn't he just snapped his fingers? And yet there's this journey that he invites us into, where his power is not shaped by fear of death but showing that he has power over death there's no coincidence that the symbol of following jesus well we have two one communion as we gather at the table remembering what happened this weekend and the second one as we enter into relationship with him is baptism it's why baptism is a core symbol of our faith it symbolizes are dying with Christ. 
are dying with Christ as we go under the water and then being raised to new life. I want you to hear what Paul says in Romans 6. Don't you know that all of us, that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I love this image. It really shows the burying aspect of baptism. <laughs> that seems, I don't boy, they really put them under. I'm not sure if this will be an encouragement, but we're going to have some baptism classes coming up. I don't know if we'll put you under quite that, uh, that abruptly. But we're going to have some baptism classes coming up in May with a baptism plan for June. So if you have not been baptized by immersion and you are wondering, well, what is this about? How do I follow Jesus wholeheartedly? How do I really immerse myself in this life? Well, you can come to our baptism classes and we'll tell you more about that in a little bit. As we sang, made like him, like him we rise. Ours the cross, the grave, the skies. That's what happens as we follow Christ. We enter into the mystery that he's presented to us. Yet this journey of death to new life isn't just a one-time thing. Isn't just a belief. All right, I believe in you. I'm baptized. I have your forgiveness. And then that's it. No. Day to day, we have to live this out. Jesus invites us into freedom, but we have to live it out. And there are things that we have to die to if we are to truly live. And though our eternity can be sure, I'm talking about now. I'm talking about right now. Day to day. There's things that we do. Things that we, certain things that we do that we have to die to that we have to let go of if we're to experience Jesus' true life. Proverbs 14, 12. Great passage. It says, There is a way that seems right to a man until he talks to his woman. No, no, that's sorry. I misread that. I misread that. No, the, the truth of Scripture, hear me correctly here. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And that might be if he disagrees with his woman, but that's right. That's another, we can talk marriage another time. Now, the point of, the point of, of Solomon here in his wisdom, intense wisdom that he has, is that each of us will choose a way. We, we live something out in our life, something that we want, something that we embrace, something that is, could be really good. But it can ultimately lead to death. Well, how does this work? We often take what God wants and offers us even something, mm, a blessed something like chocolate, a wonderful gift. 
uh, or maybe even bake better, bacon, or even best, chocolate-covered bacon. No, I got some head shakes. I, I did some chocolate-covered bacon roses for Hannah one year. It was a hit, at least to me. I loved it. But too much of a good thing, too much of a good thing, an overindulgence could lead to death, literally, if you're talking about chocolate-covered bacon. The joys and beauty that God has created for us are wonderful. This life is a gift. But if we make them our goal and our prize, we begin to grasp at things and manipulate others to get them. Our actions become evil. And ultimately can lead us to a spiritual death, if not, if not a literal one. God's promise is that there is new life. New life. And we can choose to walk away from certain things. And I know as I've talked with people here in our church, even as I've brought up hard topics, like fantasy and pornography, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, yeah, that's been a part of my life. I don't want it. I've never told anybody. I want to be cleared of this. I don't want to, to be trapped in that life. And we've seen freedom. We've seen new life, healing of relationships. It's a beautiful thing. God's promise is that there is life, but there are some things we have to dive from in order to enter into that life. Now, it's not, it's not just our actions. You might say, well, I'm pretty good, Pastor. I'm pretty good. Let's listen to Jesus in Matthew 5. Does that say Matthew? Nope, that says Hosea. There it is, Matthew 5. You have heard, it, you have heard that it was said, this is Jesus speaking, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, Anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, in verse 27 of Matthew 5, you have heard it that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Our very own thought patterns certain thoughts that we must die to if we are to enter into the new life, to live the life that Jesus wants us to live. Now, this is not, this is not just about doing things right, getting it right. It's about living true life. There's thought patterns that we can get into that will ruin our relationships, ruin what is good and healthy in our lives if we're not careful. And Jesus wants us to truly live, to be free from them. Paul warns us in, in, 2 Timothy 2, in 2 Timothy 3, he says this, there will be terrible times in the last days, and some are wondering, maybe these are the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, 
without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And you hear this part. So far it sounds like Facebook. But listen to this. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Paul was talking about the church in this paragraph. Saying these things, they're within us. And we might look good on the outside, but some of these things are within us. Death inside, not life. And you know this. You know the thoughts you wrestle with. This is why we need a Savior. And the great enemy would love to have us trapped inside our thoughts with anger, lust, even shame and guilt. When Jesus offers us freedom, you can be free from it. Turn from that which leads to death and turn to me and let me offer you new life. Now, I also, as a pastor, I get to hear your stories, which is just an honor. And I've heard many stories how Jesus is freeing people from thoughts, attitudes that lead to death. I, I want to say, though, there's also one that, a specific thought pattern that I think is deadlier, specifically within the church. And that is when we come up against self-righteous judgments and attitudes so predominant in our church. And it brings separation, pain, and death for so many. Now, we all know, it's not just COVID, but we know that for years, church attendance, coming here to churches around North America, it's in rapid decline. People aren't interested in coming to church. And it's not because, for many of them, that they don't love Jesus. You look at Jesus, you, you hear the stories, you go, wow, this guy is awesome. He's really special. I love him. But they've had enough of judgmental attitudes in the church. Even though our king, King Jesus, our risen king, tells us, do not judge, and calls out the Pharisees time and again in Scripture for their self-righteous attitudes that drive people away from God. Unfortunately, at times our church looks more like the Pharisees than Jesus. And we must ensure that we are dying to the temptation that we feel in our church that causes this kind of division and cause many to run from it instead of to, to it, rooting out this death. And I see this freedom happening in our church as well. Many people, thinking back to attitudes that they've had and how they've treated certain people and saying, God, move in me. I don't want to be like that. I want to be more like you, Jesus. I see it happening. I see it happening. I want you to listen to the Apostle Paul once again as he says this. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. There is this language of death again. 
Are we ready to die to ourselves like Jesus died? And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's it. Here we go. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we, know, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled to us himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Not counting sins against them. We need to examine our hearts as the church today and see how God is calling us into this new life. How to let a judgmental attitude die. Jesus' call to new life is not one that is run by fear and judgment, but by love and justice for others out of the true righteousness and holiness of God. You, you might have noticed, as some of you did, someone said, Pastor, is that you? You're wearing a tie. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm wearing a tie today. It's my gift to those who love it. But I know that some have struggled with, well, Pastor, why don't you wear a tie? Isn't that a sign of respect? And I purposely don't wear a tie on most Sundays so that anyone who walks in here can say, well, I guess maybe I don't have to. I remember... I remember my mom putting that tie on me when I was a kid. <laughs> I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe to sing the songs that I didn't want to sing anyways. Right? And we want people to walk in here and feel a freedom to come as they are, not to put on a show. We want to be authentic before Jesus. And for, for some of us, once we feel comfortable and we like it, we have to die to any attitude of judgment to others. May we live out the true life of reconciliation that Jesus calls us to. Well, as I said at the start, the last few weeks we've been entering into Lent, journeying with Jesus through the wilderness, examining our longings and waiting for the celebration of Easter. I hope some of you are enjoying that taste of chocolate in your mouth. But we don't get to Easter... We don't get to Resurrection Day without going through Good Friday. A day where we celebrate the self-giving love of our Lord and then wrestle with Jesus' call to take up our own cross, to deny ourselves, to die to ourselves and live for Him. What is it that you need to put on the cross today in order to put on the new life of Jesus? What is it that you need to die to, let go of, in order to enter into this new life? And I don't want you to worry, because it's, it's not about us doing it. It's not about getting this right as much as just offering, saying, Jesus, you do it in 
me. I can't do this. I keep choosing the bad. But I want to submit it to you. I want to offer it to you, the old. I want to die to it like you died. And I want to receive your new life. And he promises. He promises his own very presence, the life of the Holy Spirit. God's very presence in us to empower us. Well, we're going to sing our final song. It's called, Yet Not I, But Christ in Me. And as we do it, we are going to invite you to come forward and approach this cross. This cross, the cross, a thing of ugliness, a symbol of death, a symbol of Good Friday, of death. And we're going to invite you to come forward and grab a daffodil as you do and put it on the cross. And we're going to turn this thing of ugliness and death into what Jesus turned it into. He turned it into a thing of beauty. So I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward as I pray. And then I'm going to invite you to come forward and take a daffodil and place it in the cross as we sing. Let's pray together. Jesus, I invite you to move in us by your very presence, that you would show us what it is we need to let go of, what we need to die to in order to enter into your new life today. In your name I pray. Amen. Our passage, it said that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And the disciples remembered these words. But remember when Peter went? Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Well, Peter got it wrong lots, but he learned, he learned the power of death that brings new life. And let's not wander around wondering what had happened, but let's live in that new life that Jesus offers us. I invite you to open your hands, as we often do here, just as a symbol of receiving what God has for you today as you hear this closing blessing and benediction. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Mm -hmm. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in the new life of our risen King.